It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle of an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the hot takes of the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that maybe doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. Happy 4th of July weekend. This is the beginning of it. 4th of July comes on Tuesday, right? On Tuesday. Isn't that? That's kind of the best the best day for the 4th of July to come. You get the longest weekend, I guess. I'm going to be here till 3 o'clock. Then Curtis Slewa comes in at 3 o'clock for left versus right. We're going to talk about the mayor. We're going to talk about next week and who's scheduled to be on the air next week. It's a vacation week. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And a funny story that Curtis broke. I get a Curtis breaks more news around here than anybody about my beloved, tormenting New York Mets. You can reach us on WABCRadio.com. You can download the app or you can always call to be part of the show. You are the show. I'm just helping out. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And speaking about helping out, Christian is on the board. Kevin is on air traffic control and Ava is taking your calls. It's great to have you here. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle for me. Jordan has now been away a week. Seven weeks he's going to be away, and we got an email from his counselor that he's having a little bit. It appears to be that he's having some homesickness. He, he, In fairness, he had some belly issues before he went away, and we kind of thought maybe it was anxiety. I might have mentioned this last week. And he's had a little bit of problem when he's been at camp, and the counselor wrote us a letter. You don't get to speak to your camper until – like you, you schedule two times to call – to call them, they just don't want to get in this habit. They want to, they want to try to break the bond a little bit and, and redevelop a new bond with his new group. So we don't get to talk to him, I think, until late next week. But he was struggling a little bit. Here's a, here's a story that's going to make it, it makes me get a little well. So the, the counselor writes us a note saying, you know, he's struggling a little bit. We think he's going to be okay. He was out the next day. He was planning and back to his normal self. And I wrote back, you know, um, you know, what do you think will make him – ask him what might make him feel better. And so the next day, the counselor reports back and says, we asked him what would make him feel better, and he said, mom, and walked away. Isn't that, is that just – I mean, he didn't say dad. He didn't say dad. He said mom because there is nothing that mom can heal in an 11-year-old. Um, 
so he's he's settling in. I'm convinced it's going to be he's going to be fine. He's 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 a tough kid. He's it, there's a little bit to get used to when you're in you're in there, but he loves the camp. It's a kind of a sport camp, and they have this app that um, this is what technology can do, what AI can do. They have an app that they just have someone walking around the grounds of the camp and taking pictures wherever they go. And with AI, they take a picture, they take an image of your child, and then whenever your child appears in one of these pictures, they ping it to you. Like they automatically say, so we've gotten some pictures of him. He looks amazing. He's having fun. Now we're using the opportunity to clean up around the house a little bit. And I know, I remember one of our most loyal uh, listeners, Wendy, complained about this the last time I mentioned this. I'm trying to get rid of his Lego sets. Now, he doesn't have pristine boxes or anything like that. He just has them in glad bags with with the instructions and everything. Someone could use them. I mean, they're great. They've got dozens of them, but he never touches them. He, they're under his bed. He hadn't touched them for years, and so I'm trying to figure out a way to get, to get, I don't know, sell them, give them away, donate them. I don't know what to do. If you have an idea, please feel free to call 800-848-WABC or – the other way is to reach me at Rep Wiener on Twitter, WienerWABC at gmail.com, and um, Anthony D. Wiener on Facebook. So uh, lots of folks are, are on vacation. We have the regular, we have the A-team here on the weekend. Next week, a lot of folks are on vacation here in Radioland. And that's a big time for the AAA team, which what we here on the weekends are, um, because we get opportunities to maybe fill in a little bit. And I'm very excited. Curtis is going to give me some tips on left versus right. Um, me and Dominic Carter are going to be filling in for Sid on Monday. And then I'm going to be helping out Curtis and John Katsimatidis are going to be quarterbacking the 4th of July activities. And I'm going to be here kind of like as an amen choir or someone just helping to get them coffee. So it's, it's a great opportunity. Now, I'll give you a little bit of insight, a little look behind the curtain a little bit. So, they have ways that they can measure ratings and there are organizations like Nielsen and Arbitron and the way they do it. There's a whole bunch of different ways that they do it. Um, the show is doing well. The network's doing well. I can't be more specific than that because uh, I'm not one of the licensees, but just, just, um, things are, you know, things are going well around here. But one of the ways that is kind of instantaneous is that you can see the streams on on um, WABCRadio.com and on the app. You see how many people are tuning in. In today's day and age, frankly, a lot of people are tuning in that way than other ways. And so you can – there's a lot of data that you can learn from that. So I've been now here for over a year and a half or so. And so we've seen kind of my audience grow some. And we see that some people don't like me, so they come in for Curtis – um, when I'm on with Curtis, and that show's doing well too. Curtis is very popular at the station. And then there are some people who aren't crazy about Curtis who just kind of tune in for me because I'm one of the more centrist, lefty, whatever, democratic voices on the radio. So with that in mind, it's very hard for me to tell. And it took a little while, right? It took a little while for me to get my sea legs here. When I go in and fill in for other people, like when I went in and filled in for a week at the end of the year for Bo Snurdly, me and Bo Snurdly, although we look very much alike, we're practically you know identical twins. Me and Bo Snurdly have very different shows that we do. He's obviously much more to the right. I'm much more to the left. He does music. I do music, but we have different types of taste. All that. So you can see in the in the the streams that it took a little while for people to kind of say, "Oh, okay, Anthony's on." 
and here's what, and it wound up again. This, we, we did some, we did pretty well. So, but when I'm filling in like for a day or two or one off for someone else, it's a real challenge for me because I don't know for sure whether the same types of listeners that have gotten used to me here at two o'clock, and again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. You know, it's been really great. Are the same people that might be pick a number, like pick, you know, in for Greg, you know, Greg Kelly or Bo Snurdly or Rudy Giuliani. So doing, doing fill-ins is a real challenge for me and exactly the one kind of challenge that I like. I like the idea of introducing myself. But one thing I don't know, and maybe Curtis can answer this, is, is there like a steady flow of ABC listeners or do people come into one show, leave and then come back? That I just don't know. Like, for example, you know, does, is the SID audience the same as it might be in the afternoon? So next week, and, and frankly, all summer when people take breaks, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful to get opportunities to fill in because I get to test my chops a little bit. And that's going to happen on Monday morning. Me and Dominic Carter are going to do, we're going to fill in for SID. Dominic and I go back a long way. Dominic used to be the host of Inside City Hall when I was a, a whippersnapper, up and coming city councilman and congressman. And, um, so he and I would, we were constantly seeing one another in an adversarial only was, you know, reporter subject role. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and so today we're going to, okay, look, today I'm taking a holiday break from all things Trump and all things Hunter Biden. So, I mean, there's not that there's not stuff to talk about just this week, just this week. The, the 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 recording was released of Donald Trump, the one that he was showing the documents that led the espionage charge, and he mentions me. This is the, so there's and Hunter Biden. I mean, there's Chinese this and there's all kinds of stuff, but we're not going to talk about that. It's not going to be easy. Um, but this week we're going to look at the actions by the Supreme Court on one issue. I did a whole episode about episode twenty three, student debt relief, and another on affirmative action. That's what we're going to try to. Focus on because I think they're very interesting issues and I think there there are middles to both those issues that have kind of been overlooked. But first, I like to do every week the numbers of the week, numbers to give a little more context. Sometimes they're things that are overlooked. The first one is two. Two percent of New York City cars are EVs. All of the conversation around EVs, all the TV commercials we see. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is up 44 percent in the last year. So it's growing fast. Um by the way, 20.2 million cars registered in this. Uh, no, 20.2. That would be funny. 20.2 million residents in the state of New York. That includes kids. How many cars do you think are registered? 20.2. 1.9 million. I thought that number was low. I thought there were a lot more cars in, uh, but there aren't. Next number, 107. 107 billion. That's the the city budget that was passed this week. Curtis and I are going to talk a little bit about that at three o'clock. And I would point out to you that they cast that vote right after the primary elections. <laughs> they didn't, or they had a handshake on it. They didn't want to have anyone thinking about that when they went to the polls. Um, and Steve Moore wasn't so much Steve Moore. Steve Moore talked a little, little bit about this, but, um, the Payne brothers talked about this 32% increase in the NASDAQ the first half of the year. The, the, uh, uh um, Fortune 500, the, um, the S&P 500, 16 and a half percent Bitcoin. Up 80%. I mean, it's hard to figure. Because, and remember, this is the last six months. So that's, we had a debt crisis, a debt ceiling crisis. We had banks failing. 
why is it? Um, well, I guess the bottom line is because things didn't weren't so bad. We didn't hit recession. Inflation seems to kind of be under control, and everyone was girding for the absolute worst, and that didn't happen. So that's good news. And uh, the next number of the week, one million one hundred ninety three dollars two hundred forty eight dollar two hundred. Okay, let me see the number again. One million one hundred ninety three thousand two hundred forty eight dollars and twenty cents. That's what the New York Mets will be paying today as they pay every July 1st from 2011 through 2035. Bobby Bonilla Day, ladies and gentlemen. Bobby Bonilla, for those of you who are not baseball fans, hasn't played for the Mets in a very long time. But every July 1st, he's entitled to about $1.2 million. And again, not everyone's a baseball fan. In the year 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out Bobby Bonilla's contract. He was over the hill. He was done. He had $5.9 million remaining on his contract. Okay, are you with me so far? Instead of paying him the $5.9 million, basically to finish his contract, get him off their roster, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of $1.2 million for 25 years starting in 2011, including a negotiated 8% interest. Now, why did they do that? First of all, give Bobby Benia credit. Well, why did they do that? Because at the time, the Mets owners at the time, the Wilpons, were invested in a Bernie Madoff account, which they had been promised would get double-digit returns. And they figured with all that profit I'm going to make, we'll leave the money with Bernie Madoff and we'll pay him a little, we'll pay this guy Bonilla a little bit more over a longer period of time. Obviously, that didn't work out. So happy Bobby Bonilla Day, all of, uh, all of you. And the final number of the, of the, um, of the week is $800. That was the the tuition at Cal State Bakersville in 1989 when the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, went to college. And, um, and adjusted for inflation, today it's 7,500, a 400% increase. I said one, let me give you a couple, let me give you another number. $159, that was the tuition when Chuck Grassley of, of Iowa went to the University of North Iowa in 1955. If you adjust that for inflation, it's $8,300 today, a 500% increase. And why is that? Well, the primary reason that tuition is so much higher than it was before um, was that states cut aid to the universities. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. For example, Colorado cut 70%. South Carolina, I'm just picking some states, cut 66%. Arizona cut 62%. And I'm going to summarize one example. And this is, um, this is from a study that took a look, uh, from about the time I went to college. I graduated in 1985. This is from 1987. A college student at the University of Kansas could pay her tuition with a part-time minimum wage job and have some money left over for books in 1987. That same school today, the University of Kansas, not today, this study was completed as of 2016, um, which is about the time when a lot of the student loan debt that is out there was accumulated. 2016, the same school, the same student working a full-time minimum wage job would come up $38,000 short. So when people do like, well, I paid this and I paid that, 
But when we come back, I'm going to take a look at the Supreme Court decision this week that struck down the efforts by the Biden administration to basically um, waive that debt, to lift the debt off of uh, for about $10,000 off of those students, why it went down and why it looks like this might be one of those reasons why people have lost confidence in the Supreme Court. But we welcome your calls. And then a little later, I'm going to talk about affirmative action. That's all when we get back. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you on the other side. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weiner, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That is little Stephen Van Zandt of the Disciples of Soul. So this was a big week. The Supreme Court of the United States came out with a bunch of decisions. We're focusing on two today. We're starting with student loans. So long story short, when this was was first proposed, I thought it was a great idea. I did a whole episode on episode 23. You should go take a like, take a listen to my argument, and I kind of laid out a little bit of it. There was hey, you know. This is not an apples and apples to apples comparison. This was an enormous amount of debt that we've put on these these young people who um, and we wipe out debts all the time. I mean, I have a list here somewhere. We wipe the number of members of Congress who have PPP loans forgiven as long as my arm. But I was concerned. Well, listen to what I said on this microphone just a few months ago. I am concerned about the idea that the president was able to do this without going back to Congress. His explanation is that the authority given him in the COVID Relief Act to do what is necessary to grant relief, he says that that's the reason this might be the subject of lawsuits. We'll wait. We'll find out. I have some concern about that. I believe Congress should have more of a say on this, even though it's you know, difficult getting anything passed through Congress. So that turned out my concern. Now, since then, though, I, I have taken a deeper – I've taken a harder look at it and there is language in the law right now, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, Congress expressly authorized the President of the United States via the Education Secretary to waive – this is a quote from the law – to waive or modify any statutory or regulatory provision um, to protect borrowers affected by national emergency. And this was the plain text of the law, and it was used 
in the Trump administration to suspend the these same debt payments. So this is a little bit why this this court has such a bad reputation because they're so into well we're we you know we claim to be these committed textualists focus first and foremost what the the text says and then the second thing is that they have have always they have settled on what's called the Chevron doctrine which required the courts to defer to federal agencies when their legal interpretation of their own statutory authority is at least reasonable and I don't I think this is the Department of Education it's at least reasonable and then the third thing that they kind of went against their own thing is they're constantly saying exercise judicial restraint don't hop in the way of the legislative branch and the executive branch of government stay out of the way by narrowing interpreting things but but so they kind of didn't they didn't do any of those things they kind of hopped in and said look we're even though this is the plain letter of the law we're going to hop in and say that we we don't we think it's too big a thing for the president to have done without going back to congress which is this new i talked about this a little in episode 23 this called on major questions doctrine like what's really big we want to hear congress specifically but the biggest problem of this thing and i can't remember if i pointed it out in that episode i think i did the biggest problem with this decision in my view is a legal thing and maybe you don't care about it by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. The board is filling up. Uh, Ava will, will get you up there. The biggest problem is none of the people suing had any standing to sue. The state of Nebraska, I think it was the treasurer of Arkansas. In order to have standing, I mean, all of you law students out there, in order to have standing, you have to be able to, you, you can't just say, well, someone else got hurt. And by the way, if you're like, well, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm a taxpayer, so I got hurt. That's not the way it works. Everyone's a taxpayer. Like, you have to be able to show, I mean, I mean, it's, the, the doctrine of standing, and I'm not a lawyer, so I had to look this up. The doctrine of standing says you have to prove three things. One, a concrete injury. So you can't just say, oh, this hurt some, it's hurt my feelings. You have to show how you were really harmed. And since no one, remember, the federal government already holds this, this debt. It's not like the banks do anymore, so a bank couldn't sue. A direct connection between the injury and the government action. So you have to show that by waiving Joe Smith's loan, you were somehow injured directly because of that. And the potential form of relief that would redress things like what would you like to do? It's got to be what relief would you like? It can't be shut down a whole program. No one – they the plaintiffs never answered this question during the arguments. And the, the Supreme Court just kind of glossed over it in their decision. Now, some of the, the – the, um, some of the dissenting folks made mention of it. I mean, look, this is a little bit of the problem with the Supreme Court now. They have an ideology and they want to get there however they can. But I have great sympathy. Listen, I see no reason why people of my generation who paid $400 for tuition shouldn't help out people of another generation that are paying $30,000. I don't see what the problem is with that. Now, Some people obviously could disagree. And the second thing, and then we'll get to some calls. Um, the second thing is, can universities consider race in admissions? And the Supreme Court said no. Oh, wait a minute. No, they actually said maybe. No, no, they said yes. Well, pick one. Well, the court in its majority decision said racism is over. We no longer have to have race consideration in. And although these were private universities, since they get federal dollars, it really impacts all universities. They said it's over. You can't use it as a consideration for, for, um, 
for admissions. Then they said, but wait a minute, at the very end of Robert's decision, he says, but if you write in your application that you're a black person, for example, or you're Asian Pacific Islander, or you're, then they can consider it. <laughs> so what's it gonna, so that means every single applicant, when they have an opportunity, is gonna work this somehow into their, into their essay. Oh, but wait a minute. They actually did say you can use race as a, uh, um, in admissions for one college, West Point. Wait a minute. Why is that? Why is West Point exempt? It's because they benefit and our national security benefits by having a diverse officer corps, right? Well, if that's the case, don't they benefit by having a diverse police off police department? Don't they benefit by having a diverse like a profession? Um college professors. Don't they benefit by having diverse teachers? This decision was a mess. An unholy mess. And if you read headlines that the Supreme Court wiped out affirmative action in two hundred some odd pages of gobbledygook, they were all over the map. All over the map. Net, net, I don't think it's going to have much. I don't think it's going to do. I don't know what it's going to do. And by the way, I have one other thing to just to point out. And after the break, we're going to do nothing but calls. I apologize for going on so long. So Harvard was a plaintiff. Um, and they were sued by a couple of Asian organizations for the period between 1980 and 2014 um, for discriminating against Asians because of their policy of affirmative action, which was seen as benefiting African-Americans. Right. Okay. So just out of curiosity, I went and looked at some of the numbers. Okay. I can't say out of curiosity because it was right there in the briefs before the Supreme Court. In that time, between 1980 and 2014, the Asian population in the United States of America went up threefold. Do you know what else happened in that time? Admissions of Asians to Harvard went up sevenfold. The class of 2000, uh, um, 2025 Asian Americans will be 30%. It is a really hard case to make. Who was harmed here? The plaintiffs, what was the harm that was done? when? And you know why it went up so much? Because it's good for Harvard to have a diverse class. They want more Asians. The class of 2025 is, is 30% Asian. And do you know why they did that? The same reason why they practice affirmative action. Because it's good business. It's good for their institution. It's good for their college. And it's true in a lot of walks of life. But the Supreme Court knows better. So they kind of, yes, no, maybe... Wiped out affirmative action. So listen, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, the phones are full. I, I guarantee we, I'm going to get to as many as I possibly can. This is Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. So great to have you along, and we'll see you on the other side. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I got a deal for you, Donald Trump. I won't talk about you if you don't talk about me. Except it is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> There's a secret information. Hillary would put that out all the time. You know? 
Oh, God. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Jeffries, Roller Coaster Town, singing about the borough of my birth, Brooklyn, New York. All right, let's go to the calls. We're talking about Supreme Court. We're trying to focus on these two decisions, but if you want to raise another one, you're certainly welcome. And uh, let's try to do some college debt relief ones first. James and Peekskill, go ahead. Thank you for calling. Are you there, James? We lost. Uh, do, do you hear me? I got you, James. Go ahead, pal. Hey, um. Thanks for playing Garland Jeffries. Oh, my gosh. Never heard that for a while. Um, but on debt relief, so I married my wife, and I found out that she had $43,000 in college um, loans that she stacked up. And, uh, you know, I had to manage the uh, finances, and finally, um, finally I got it paid off. Uh, it took about ten years, um, and then the number one, the number two thing is that I've been to five colleges myself. I, you know, graduated with a degree in Spanish literature, and uh, I just, you know, I just paid my way all the way through um, as best I could. I got a couple scholarships for academic scholarships, but um, I, you know, I just I feel for the the vocational people, the contractors, and, you know, you, the list could go on and on that haven't really gone to college but are now on the hook um, for paying, you know, college debt relief. And uh, Well, wait a minute. I, 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 mean, you, I mean, James, if you're saying they're on the hook because they're taxpayers, yeah, they are. They're on the hook also for paying the GI Bill. They're on the hook for paying – Subsidies for farmers to make ethanol. They're on the hook for defense contractors who have $800 toilet seats. At least with this, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make the case that, you know, we, we are a, we're a country that says, listen, one of the ways you get ahead is by getting education. And, and, and this generation or the last, you know, the, the, this generation has been whacked so much harder. Then my generation, it sounds like if you're a Garland Jeffries fan, your generation. I, I just, I mean, yes, but, but if you're saying, are we on the hook? Yes. The taxpayer is going to be paying this amount, but the taxpayer pays for a lot of things. And at least this is going to our neighbors. Nicholas in Cliffside, New Jersey on debt relief. Go ahead, Nicholas. Are you there, Nicholas? It looks like we lost Nicholas. Uh, Glenn in Hillside, New Jersey. Go ahead, Glenn. Hello, Anthony. Uh, when I went to school, it was uh, $40 a credit. Um, I was an evening student, so it took me about six years. So when I uh, graduated in 73, um, the uh, total cost would be $5,000. And uh, that is the equivalent of $34,000 in 2023 dollars, to give you 
some kind of perspective. Now, I did go back to school uh, to get an MBA much later in life, and I did uh, turn around and utilize a student loan. Now, you can spend that money any way you want. They give you a check. You could spend it, you know, you could go out and buy a car because uh, you need transportation. What I used the money for was to pay my uh, home loan because I was a full-time MBA student. Now, uh, I still haven't repaid it because of the fact that uh, even though I have an MBA, it's difficult getting a job at my age. So the question is, should it be uh, a means test? Uh, I only have Social Security, uh, no other income. So do you think a means test would be the way to turn around and give I, that? I don't, but perhaps, I mean, perhaps, look, I think the, the intention is, the intention is that a lot of young people, particularly middle class young people, the only way they were able to get to college was by taking loans. I'm not, I don't believe that a lot of people who are of means are taking out loans just because, just because money was cheap for a certain period. I don't think that really happens. It may. So I'm not sure how much you're going to get by means testing it for the most part, something like 80% of the people that are, that are benefiting from this are middle class and, and below. I, I mean, I'm, I'm open to ideas and how to, and by the way, you know, I made fun of the idea that the affirmative action decision was all over the map. You know, you, you might have heard on the news break coming in this Joe Biden said he's got other ways to try to do debt relief. Again, the United States of America holds the paper here. And there's all kinds of ways and flexibilities in the law, apparently. As a matter of fact, he's getting attacked from his left today because they think that this was a waste of time to go to this court when they knew the court was going to do what it, what it, what it did. So there are other ways to be able to, to, to skin this cat. What I'm trying to get us to think about, you know, we call the show the middle and the idea is, it's, is that, you know, isn't it good for our country to have young people be able to get out of college and not be saddled with – Five, six, ten times the amount of debt that my generation did. As a, you know, I'm the tail end of the baby boom. I try not to tell people that, but I'm, I'm 1964. So anyway, let's uh, uh, let's get a, a few more calls in. Um, let's um, let's go to Al in Yonkers. Al, you want to talk about the affirmative action decision? Yeah. Good afternoon, Congressman. I always look uh, forward to your program, in the middle. Uh, I just wanted to say in regards to the court's decision, uh, I thought it was the right decision. Uh, as you know, affirmative action was a big rallying cry for conservatives and Republicans back in the 70s and 80s, such as was forced busing. But I think uh, the court's decision was right. You always want to get something, whether it's a job as a fireman or getting into a, an Ivy League college based on merit. So fortunately, President Trump was able to put three justices on the court whose views are similar to mine. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. I get the idea that you want to get it based on merit. In that case, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have people getting because their legacy. We shouldn't have people because they're athletes. We shouldn't have all kinds of things. I think there's you know this is you know I wonder where the conservative ethos comes in. That you know it seems like people are conservative except when it comes to courts saying well you can't consider certain things when you're having. When you're you're considering what type of a student body, what type of experience do you want to give to people? And I think it's reasonable to say I, as an administrator of a college, want to give a diverse experience to people. OK, I think it's reasonable for them to try to do that. It's reasonable for them to say we get good things when we have a diverse student body. 
just the same way they might say we get good things when we have a really good shot putter or a really or a or something else. I just you know, I, but I I I I get it. I mean, it's it's it it's you 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 want it to be a meritocracy, and I think that that doesn't mean that you don't look for other elements of an, on a person's biography. You know what kinds of things. And by the way, like I said in this decision, all someone has to do is write in their essay as an African American woman. I dot 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 dot, and immediately they're allowed to consider that. John in Queens, what do you have to say about this? All right, uh, concerning affirmative action. First, uh, an excellent book on the subject is The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. Uh, it goes into basically how affirmative action discriminates against qualified Asians and whites on a racial basis, which is clearly illegal. Well, how do you, but how do you square that with the statistics I read you about the dramatic increase in the number of Asians getting into Harvard compared to their population? Well, you know, that's as it should be if it's on merit. My point is this, is insofar as affirmative action wants to deny the fact that intelligence, human intelligence, the ability to conceptualize and solve problems, dairy, it has a biological basis, a genetic basis. And that yeah. genetically, and what, hold on, mm-hmm. and that genetic basis varies from race to race. No, sorry, and pal. When you look, when you look. Sorry, what, we don't, we, we, we don't do, we don't do, uh, race superiority and inferiority on this show. We, we're, we're the middle, we're not the wacky. Uh, next, let's go to Danny on Long Island. Go ahead, Danny. Hey, good morning. Oh, good afternoon. Now I should say, days flying by. Hey, Danny. First of all, I take, I take umbrage with the statistics that you started with the cost of college. I put four kids through college. My first son makes $150,000 a year. He spent two years in Nassau Community College. That cost me $12,000. Then he went to a state school. He borrowed $40,000 for his master's degree. He paid it off in three years. People don't want to go to college. They want to go to Europe, and they want to have the whole thing. That's not required. Anything more than going to community college or state school is a bonus. And yeah, but that, but hold on a second. But what, 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 what number did you think I got wrong? You, you just read some pretty high numbers for your, for your child. The, the cost of college tuition, it cost me $12,000, $6,000 a year sending them to Nassau Community College 10 years ago. Is that reasonable? $6,000 a year. I think $6,000 is, is, is fine, but that's, that's yeah, not, that's not the mean or the norm or anything. But, I mean, yeah, that, but, but, but I'm trying to say is that you can't go above the mean and go to Notre Dame and to, and get us into education degree when you could get it somewhere else cheaper and then expect the taxpayers to cry foul it. Oh, I'm, I'm broke. Well, wait a second. Well, you but even, even just going to, I read your stats from state schools. I read state I'm schools. Talking, right. I'm I mean, I, about, SUNY Binghamton's tuition right now is fourteen thousand dollars a year. It's one of the top schools in it the was, country. It was five when I went. It doesn't. What, how much was the cost of income? Twenty five thousand. No, I, I, I'm saying I, I I did. Danny, here's the thing. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. The numbers I gave you were adjusted for inflation. So when I took I took Cal State Bakersville, which was eight hundred dollars, and adjusted for inflation, it's seventy five hundred dollars. I took. University of Northern Iowa, I didn't take Harvard. It was $159 in 1955. Adjusted for inflation, it's $8,300. These are 500% increases adjusted for inflation. I get the community colleges are a great deal. It was zero when my dad went there on the GI Bill. I'm just saying our generation, I don't know how old you are, Danny, but our generation, we had a cheaper, we had a less expensive adjusted for inflation experience. And why don't you continue, Danny? Not doing anything. We have students going through college right now, like my son. If I let him take loans, which I'm not, that will come out three years from now, and they'll also be in debt. Oh, we, when it, what we have to do is stop giving loans. Period. I'll tell you why. Because the 
the schools overcharge. Uh-huh. They have bloated administration and bloated staff. Agree. I work at schools because the government's paying the tip. They don't run like ordinary businesses. No, it's not you know? the government. But who's getting stuck with the bill right now? Who's I know? Oh, by the way, I buy this idea, Danny, and I agree with you. I think that there is an inflationary cycle that is built in here. They raise their, they raise their, their, they invest in a fancy new food system. They raise their tuition. Students go out. They have to get the loan and, and they're, they're saddled and it's an inflationary cycle. I totally believe that and I think that there's something to that. But one of the solutions to, one of the solutions to the problem for these students is to say since the buck stops with the federal government at this point, we're going to relieve them of that of of that burden. We're going to make it a little easier for them. I know it's not a perfect solution. Danny's not right. Look, by the way, Danny's right about something. You can go to some very fine schools. I went to the State University of New York College of Arts and Sciences at Plattsburgh, New York. I call it the Harvard of Clinton County, New York. And at the time, five thousand dollars to it wasn't. You know, it's. It, I don't know what it is now. I think it's fifteen or something now. There is a lot more inflation than I think there should justifiably be. But what I'm saying is, well, what is the answer? What is a policy answer that we can do about that? Right now, an individual student can't stop inflation on their own. So you're telling me a good student who wants to go to a good program at a good school, we just say, no, you can't go there. You can only go, whereas in past generations, we said, absolutely, you live up to your highest potential. And we created a system where, all right, you're going to go out, you get a reasonable loan, you're going to go out of a reasonable payment when you get out. You're going to be able to support yourself, uh, you know, doing a, a a minimum wage job part time while you're in college to, or to earn money for books. Today, as I read in those numbers, a full time minimum wage job, you're thirty eight thousand dollars in the hole when you're done. And there's a way we can help them out. And I think we help the economy. We have some more calls when we get back. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner, 800-848-WABC if you want to get up on the board. So great to have you along. We'll see you on The Rebound. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weiner, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. So do you think less of me for playing Harry Styles? I like that song. What can I tell you? Actually, the video for that song, I can't remember her name. It's the woman from Fleabag. It's just a great video. I, I don't know. I, I like that, that song. You, sue me. Sue me. What more can you do me? Uh, so we're talking about the Supreme Court decisions that came down, the two big ones. There are a bunch that came down. We could really spend the whole show talking about different ones. 
wanted to limit it to those two. Those are the ones getting the most attention. Those are the ones that came at the end of the term. And those are the ones that people think might have the greatest resonance. But I kind of disagree. I mean, look, the, the, the affirmative action decision is the greatest departure from settled law. That I will admit. But the crazy mishmash of that decision, as I've pointed out, someone call in and tell me why the standards should be different for the military academies than it should be for any other college. Yeah, okay, national defense, great. What, 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 and local police defense, no, not, and local education, not. I mean, I don't really see it. If you believe that it helps our national defense, what does that tell you about your reasoning that it doesn't help everyone else? So next, let's go on the hotline. Bronwyn, Bronwyn, you are not only, you're not only a law student, but you're also, do you have any student loans? Uh, yes, I sure do. I'm in a lot of debt, unfortunately. Um, but there are certain ways out of that to some degree. So in Massachusetts, if I were to say work as a prosecutor for 10 years while paying my loan debt, it would be erased. So there are ways out of it. Certain people that want to do certain things in law, of course, that's not necessarily the best course. But when I started law school, I wanted to be a prosecutor anyway. So that's. Um, but by the way, Bronwyn, by the way, that is the HEROES Act that this language is in that gives Biden that authority is an is a law that in enti- that that says the Department of Education can ve- can uh, modify people's debt if they go into certain professions. And the, the GI Bill is an example. I mean, we do it. It's not uncommon for us to to take steps to ease someone's uh, someone's burden. But go ahead, Ron. Thank you for calling in. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I had a different or a couple different thoughts um, regarding affirmative action. You know, I'm a conservative and I go to school in a very, very liberal city. And honestly, it's been a great experience for me. My dad's a cop. My mom's a small business owner. And so going to this more liberal area, I think I've been exposed to a lot of things that I otherwise would not have been. I've met some really neat people, and a lot of them have changed my mind on a lot of issues. But to be frank, I feel like as a conservative, I'm a minority at my law school. So when I think about affirmative action, my thought now goes more to, okay, well, what about diversity of thought? What about diversity of experiences? You get that with race, of course. There's no denying that. But sometimes it can be really isolating, I think, as a student in general, being a conservative. Um, There's maybe one other person I can think of at my school that has even remotely the same kind of political ideas that I have. And that honestly sometimes has made it hard for me to speak up. I mean, my professors are all very liberal. They're great. I really enjoy their classes. But I think if we really want to bring about more diversity, we need diversity of thought and not just necessarily. So, well, that's a great that's a great point. So should a college be allowed to say that someone who writes an essay about how they served in student government as a conservative in a very liberal town? And but my grades are not as good as this other person. Should you grant them a leg up in admission? And the answer is. In my view, absolutely yes. And the conservative position would be, in my view, take a step back and let these these universities manage their own stuff. Don't put the, the hand of government on. What this decision did, and Bronwyn, thank you very much. Colin. Please call us, uh, call us again. What this decision did is it said we, the nine justices, or in this case six, 
We, the six justices, know what is better for Harvard University, know what is better for the University of North Carolina as they try to create as good an experience as they can on their campus. And 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 then when you look at the raw numbers that the people that sued, the Asian community that sued, has had a, a much higher increase in the admissions in Harvard than their population has. It shows that even they are getting – they're benefiting from this – judgment kind of thing as well. I I just think that look, my my view is and Bronwyn is exactly right. You you benefit by having a diversity. I think and this is opening myself up to to derision, but I think WABC Radio 77 benefits by having a diversity of thought. I think that when you're putting on a TV station and you say we have a very heavily Asian population in our community, we are going to hire an Asian anchor to reflect that we want that experience reflected. And 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 or 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 if I how about this one? I'm a hockey fan. Almost invariably, when the Montreal Canadiens have an opening for their head coach, they hire someone that has to be able to speak French, and they prefer someone who's a French Canadian. Okay. Maybe these aren't perfect examples, but the message I would say is to the courts where we're trying to figure out these things with college campuses, Leah, let them do it. Let them do it. And it's in their interest to try to get it right. Bronwyn makes the, makes the perfect point. Do you think it'd be a great college experience to have liberals to your left of you, liberals to the right, and here you are like, okay, I'm getting it's like one hand clapping. I think giving them the ability and also – let, I'm not going to overlook this. Racism's not over in the world. Like that, the, the part of the 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 the, the Clarence Thomas part. Oh, we don't need this anymore. I don't know. I mean, we still have a way of making it up to people that we think. Like, for example, I keep using the GI Bill is 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 an example. Martin Luther King used the GI Bill as an example for his support of affirmative action because he said, "Listen, we always take communities that that um, that we want to have compensatory programs for." Someone sacrificed for our country at war. Someone was would, uh, 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 shouldered a particular burden. We're going to give them a benefit when they return. In a way, affirmative action is a similar thing. These are not easy issues, but I just think that that, that the Supreme Court, you know, the way they did this decision is such a mess, such a mess. And I, I can be on the air for five hours today. No one will be able to tell me why the um, – why the military academies should be able to do this, how it benefits them. <laughs> and everyone – like the, in, the, in, in, in the case, they say it benefits them, so we're going to leave it there. But, but we, we don't believe anyone else should be able to do it. It's been really great having you along. I mean these are tough issues. I'm not a lawyer. A lot of it I'm faking. I'm, <laughs> a lot of it I'm faking, which is why I'm glad you guys were able to help me with it. We'll be back at the top of the hour with Curtis Lee. We're going to talk about some stuff. And we'll be back again next week. Also, don't I want to remind you that um, – Every once in a while, people call in and say, we'd like to see you on the air a little more. On Monday, from 6 to 10, me and Dominic Carter are going to try to carry the Sid ball for four hours and not try to break anything. Fortunately, Dominic will be there. He's a real pro. But I'd love to have you tune in.